The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hi, and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. We're back uh, three times to radiate the spooky season with Jim Harold, and this time with Cassandra Harold, who's got a brand new spooky podcast that is becoming one of my new favorites. Welcome to you both. I'm so glad that you could join me today. Thank you Thank so you. much. <laughs> Cassandra, I I mentioned a little bit earlier in the kind of the pre-talk, but I love your voice. It's like butter. You should be promoting everything in the world, in my opinion, doing voiceovers for everybody. Have you been doing any voiceovers? Yeah, it's something that I'd really like to get more into yet. I haven't really had much of the opportunity outside of the podcast, but I'm definitely looking to expand into that as well. Oh, that is wonderful. Yeah. And the podcast, of course, is Unpleasant Dreams. And, you know, you come by this kind of naturally because of your your dad doing the paranormal podcast, the Jim Harold's campfire, all of that. So what made you and then Jim, you're the 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 producer, the executive producer of this new podcast, which is a lot of fun. So, Cassandra, can you tell us a bit about what the what the podcast is? what it brings and why you're doing it. Yeah. So um, essentially it's like little 10 minute, 15 minute bits of uh, unexplained stories. And some of those are supernatural. Some of those are true crime bent. Um, But really I'd have to say most instrumental in the creation of the show and really kind of like the brains behind it uh, is definitely my father and uh, his assistant, Maddie Hilker, who does uh, the writing for the show. Um, So they really helped to develop that. But just in terms of interest for the paranormal, you know, it's always been kind of a presence in my life because of my father's work. Um, So it's been really great to have the opportunity to kind of explore that in a podcast format. Oh, had you always wanted to do a podcast because of your dad? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just it's such a cool medium, uh, something that, you know, hadn't really existed much until uh, the 2000s. So a really cool kind of way to explore a, a genre. Yeah, I mean, podcasting has not been around all that long, but I'm sure pretty much all of your life podcasts have been a thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about doing anything besides having a podcast. I know you're a theater major. Are you wanting to do anything with that as well? Yeah, so definitely, you know, some of the the performance stuff, I've thought about pursuing audiobooks and that kind of thing as well. Um, I'm still at that stage where I'm kind of figuring out what my next moves are, and I'm, I'm currently taking a gap year. So part of that is for uh, the exploration of where I want to go next, as well as uh, working on Unpleasant Dreams and really building that up. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. I don't know if you know this, but I, I was a theater major as well. I've got a bachelor's oh, in theater. Yeah, and I absolutely love that work. It's, it's so rewarding and fun. Are there any favorite roles that you've got? Oh my gosh, probably my favorite role ever would be uh, Maddie Fay in August Osage County uh, by Tracy Letts. I don't know if yeah. you know that one. And then um, Madame Tenardier in Les Miserables. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, and she won. I'm going to play Proud Papa. She won a regional award for her work in uh, Les Miserables. I mean, and it was out of something like 20 counties, and it was a huge thing here in the Cleveland area. And the thing was, is that back to the genesis of Unpleasant Dreams, I've been talking with Maddie, my virtual assistant. She goes by E.M. Hilker as the writer, but uh, uh, I know her as Maddie, and uh, said I wanted to do a story podcast. And I thought, you know, I do a lot of podcasts. And frankly, it's time for a fresh voice, a new voice. And I was thinking about who can I get? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I have somebody down the hall who is award-winning. She's got this gap year because she's it's probably, I think it's fair to say, probably leaning towards grad school and kind of the neuroscience area. But that's one of her majors, by the way, that and cognitive science and English and and um, and I thought she studied drama in London. She's won these awards. She's done so well. She would be a natural person to voice this podcast. And to be honest with you, I'm uh, I'm actually blown away by how well she's done it. And again, I'm a dad, so I'm obviously biased. But I mean, I thought she would do, you know, if you're looking at this visually, she would be here and she's up here like immediately. And uh, she's only going to get better and better. So uh, uh, I think that no matter what she uh, decides to do in life long term, uh, this is something she could certainly be successful about as just a sideline or who knows, it may even take off to such a point that <laughs> she becomes a podcast superstar. I don't know, but she just has a great way. Uh, the the writing is great by Maddie. She does a fantastic job. And yeah. then uh, Cassandra takes it and, and just tweaks it a little bit for her voice. And uh, the combination, I mean, Really, I'm the quote executive producer, but all the credit for this goes to uh, Maddie and Cassandra for the great work they've done. Oh, but hardly. <laughs> uh, we cannot forget our fearless leader, Jim Harold, because he also does really help with um, the shaping of creating that audio experience. He does a lot with the music and kind of picking up on timing and that sort of thing. So don't don't sell yourself short. Okay, thank you. <laughs> 
You know, sometimes um, music and podcasts, this is just a personal note, music throughout a podcast can be kind of annoying, but in this case, it really adds to the ambiance. Was that a conscious choice to add music throughout? Absolutely, because I think that it just brings another element uh, into it. But uh, my goal with, uh, you know, the, the music that we've acquired and are using for this is just to make it supplementary and not, you know, even I was watching a major motion picture not that long ago, and the music was overtaking the dialogue, and we never want that. So we want to make it a supplement. It's there. You kind of know it's there, but you're not focusing on it. And then if there's a nice dramatic pause, there might be a little crescendo, something like that. So we try to make it additive, but we don't want it taking over the podcast. But I do, I do think it adds something. You know, this is really drawing a lot of things together um, for me right now because there's the paranormal aspect, aspect, the true crime aspect, there's the music, the beautiful voice coming in, the narrative function of it. This is truly crafted storytelling. It is, and it's funny. I have to laugh. I have to laugh because... Uh, you know, we're a small operation here. <laughs> my daughters work for me part time. Uh, my uh, we have Maddie up in Canada, who's my virtual assistant and, and writer for this series. And we're a pretty small operation. But a show like this, if this were one of the big podcast networks, you'd have like a five minute litany of this person sound design, this person editing, this person writing, this person that you'd have like 10, 15 people. And we're doing it with a very small shoestring crew, plus doing um, the things that we already do with the other podcasts. So I'm actually very proud that we're able to do put out such a quality product with a really uh, small team. I like to say small, but mighty. Yeah, they do a lot. Yeah. They, they wear a ton of hats and are very talented at what they do. I mean, you're so fortunate. And these are both your daughters? Maddie's your daughter too? No, 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 no. Okay. Maddie is my virtual assistant up in Canada. She's kind of our assistant producer. And she yeah. does that. My youngest daughter, Natalie, is off to college, but with the wonders of technology, I send off a couple of podcast episodes a week to her that she edits. So she's a great editor, and she's actually studying film. And then we've got Cassandra in the other room over here who, uh, you know, has done a lot of drama, in, uh, not to mention her work in English and so forth. So I am very lucky. I have some very talented kids who are willing to work hard on these projects, and I think they enjoy them. So it's kind of a win-win. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> but Maddie would have to laugh if you said that uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, uh, that uh, she's my daughter. No, but uh, she's a great, uh, she's like a family member. She, We've been working together for almost 10 years now, and she's just fantastic and a great member of our team for all of our shows. I, I mean, I would have to say that would be a very well-kept secret because I've been following your shows for a while. I hear about Maddie a lot. And I would have, I was kind of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> nope, not, not in this lifetime. She's not my daughter. No, no. You're so but I'd be very honored, but I'm a little young. I think I'm a little young for that. But, uh, uh, but uh, no, I would be honored. Yeah, no judgment, no judgment at all, right? Do you, do you rent these people out, Jim? <laughs> now, the thing is, I've just been lucky to have a lot of talented people around me. So very fortunate. Yeah. Well, let's get down to the episodes themselves. You know, I'm a podcast junkie. 
I listen to Jim. I listen to your podcasts, um, specifically the paranormal and then the um, virtual campfire, which I absolutely love. Um, Box of oddities, two girls, one ghost. Uh, and that's why we drink all of these paranormal podcasts. I've heard just about everybody do the Elisa Lamb story. Yeah. I kind of put off listening to the Elisa Lamb story, who may have been murdered, maybe we're not really sure, at the Cecil Hotel, right? Listen to this many, many times. Put that on the bottom of the list of the order I was going to listen to, you know, the Unpleasant sure. Dream podcast. That's in. fair. Listen to the Elisa Lamb story last night. And there was stuff in there that I, that I hadn't heard before. That was that was kind of new to me. I've heard this story so many times. So, Cassandra, do you like do you help with the research? Like, how does the research happen? You guys found stuff that um, I thought wasn't necessarily always out there. Yeah, so all of our research is on uh, the wonderful Maddie Hilker, who's really went in and has dug up all of that kind of deeper things, things you hadn't necessarily heard of. I know like with the Elisa Lamb case, at least I'd never heard anything about that tuberculosis test. It's just an odd coincidence, not necessarily related, but just something I'd never heard before. So all of our all of our pieces are really well researched and curated in that way, at, le at least I feel, and it makes the delivery so much easier. And the thing I think she does is she goes back to original sources. She just doesn't say, okay, I'm going to take an article that whomever wrote about Elisa Lamb. She kind of goes back to square one. Now, of course, along her research, she does find articles and things, but she kind of starts at the early sourcing. She doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, just, she doesn't just necessarily grab the most recent article and kind of rehash the same old thing. So that's kind of what we were hoping. We've had a few comments, and I actually consider it a compliment that people wish the podcast were longer. And to me, it's the perfect length because there's an old saying in show business, always leave them wanting more. And the thing is, is that I feel there's some great in-depth shows there that do long shows on different cases. Uh, probably the best that comes to my mind is Astonishing Legends. They're fantastic. But we weren't going for that. We wanted to give somebody yeah, around approximately 15 minutes on a case of good, hard information, not fluff. And then if they want to investigate more, there's plenty of resources on the internet. And we kind of started off with a lot of cases that everybody's heard of. But as we go along this season and hopefully subsequent seasons, depending on how the reaction is, but so far the reaction's great, I think you'll see us bringing out some things that are maybe less known. Uh, but the idea is over time, if this is a long time pursuit, we end up doing this for years, is build kind of a library where if you just hear of the Eliza Lamb case 10 years from now, you can go and you can listen to the episode on Unpleasant Dreams and it'll be a great, um, a great starter for you. And you can go from there. Plus, on our website at JimHerald.com for the show notes, 
we put meticulous notes, we take Maddie's notes and we put them in there. So all the original sourcing is there. So that's kind of the idea. But that really, uh, to Cassandra's point, that's all Maddie. I can't take, other than hiring Maddie, I can't take any credit whatsoever. She just has taken the the ball and, and ran with it. It kind of started is the idea of her doing articles for the website. And then it kind of morphed into, well, why don't we just make these podcasts? Now, the full article she writes are available at jimherald.com. And they're also linked in the show notes, uh, along with the transcript of the podcast. But uh, really, uh, the unsung hero of this show is Maddie. Well, she should have been here as well. I agree. I agree. I agree. I think she's a little shy when it comes to interviews. Uh, I can understand that. Well, she's going to have to get over that because I think her name's going to come up a lot more. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I have to say, go ahead. And I think that, you know, that's, we're starting with a strong foundation and that's why I think that it has done so well so far. I mean, we're building up uh, every week. There's more and more downloads and uh, I've, I don't even know how many reviews we have at this point. It's probably up to about a couple hundred. Just in four weeks, we're going to release um, the current one on the, the day we're recording this. The fifth episode will come out. But it's just uh, amazing to me the amount of reviews and feedback that she's gotten on this show. And I think that's because we started with a strong base with good information. Now, that being said, I'm, I'm very excited about Cassandra's delivery of it because you can have great information, but if you do a flat delivery, it doesn't work as a, um, it doesn't work as a podcast. So Cassandra's work on that's been fantastic. Oh, right. You've certain, we've all heard podcasts where the, the voice just is not engaging. And that's not the case here. And I have to say, Maddie's writing her, she really writes it in a storytelling type of vein. It's excellent. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Cassandra does take it and tweak it, but you don't have to tweak it that much, do you, Cassandra? Definitely not. And like you said, it really is laid out in almost a narrative-like format. And that's part of what I like so much about it is it takes a topic and then we really fully explore it and you get to kind of see the case, whatever it may be, from multiple angles and see what people might think that this entity is or what the different theories out there are. So if you're someone coming to this topic completely new to it, in many ways, it kind of functions like a kind of little crash course. Um, So like, you don't know anything about black eyed kids, you can kind of listen to it. And in that like 10 minute period, you can kind of get the full story on what all the researchers and leaders on the field really think might be going on with these entities. Yeah. For example, black eyed kids, that's a great example. That's one of the episodes is that I know that a lot of people out there have heard of them, uh, but I wonder the facts that were disclosed in that, uh, the work of David Weatherly, uh, the uh, first person, uh, uh, Brian Bethel, who was really the first person to kind of popularize the topic on the uh, internet in in the 90s uh, and had that chilling experience. Uh, probably most people who knew about BEKs did not know that name, Brian Bethel. Um, so, Again, I think the idea is to bring some strong, solid information, not just kind of fluff. Support for the Radiate Wellness Podcast is made possible in part by listeners like you. Would you like to support this podcast? Visit radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast 
for more information. So we've talked about the black eyed kids. There's a lot of, you know, juries out about that. Lisa Lam, we don't know exactly what happened. Do either of you have any pet theories? Do you want me to start, Cassandra? Yeah, why don't you okay, go and then ahead. You, you give your thought. Uh, well, first of all, um, I don't necessarily think that they are aliens. I think if, if they are supernatural, they might be some kind of shapeshifters. I've heard people talk about the jinn, if you're familiar with the jinn. Mm-hmm. And uh, the late, great Rosemary Ellen Guiley uh, yeah. had talked about the jinn, and she said the thing about the jinn is, and a lot of times people, and that's if people don't know that's spelled J-I-N-N, uh, it's kind of a Middle Eastern background, is this idea of kind of, it's what genies were based on. Right. And uh, so the idea is kind of a trickster. And uh, we'll try to try to mess with you. Uh, and, and, you know, there's been some cases where people have encountered the jinn, they believe, and bad things have happened to them. So the thing about jinn, the reason that I think that might have something to do with black eyed kids is because I remember Rosemary saying that the jinn, when they take different forms, they can't get things exactly right. Like something's a little bit off. And to me, the cases of black-eyed kids, um, when they happen, for example, a black-eyed kid will knock on your door and say, could I have some mayonnaise for my hot dog? You know, they will do things that aren't quite right. They'll be close, but it's like somebody from another culture trying to, right. to, to, to explain something. They don't get it quite right. Or... Uh, you know, uh, your airplane is parked, uh, you know, is double parked or, or something like that. It's not an actual example, but you get it. It'll be slightly off. And I think that that would kind of tie it back to the gin and it would it would make sense, wouldn't it? Because they say with black eyed kids, if you let them in, bad things happen. Well, the gin, bad things happen. Also, they can't get it exactly quite right. So maybe these are kind of trickster spirits that are trying to mess with people. Now, there's always the possibility people are making up stories. In Unpleasant Dreams, I think that it's important to note that we're not saying this thing is paranormal necessarily. Right. But if it is, I think gin would be as good an explanation as anything else. And it's funny, when we talk about these things, I'm kind of Mulder to Cassandra Scully, because usually you think of younger people is, uh, you know, uh, more believers. But I think Cassandra believes, but she's maybe a little more skeptical than I am But uh, on various cases. But uh, Cassandra can tell us what she thinks about the Black Eyed Kids. Yeah, no, that's definitely probably a fair assessment that I'm a little bit more skeptical. But I mean, and this might seem like a bit of a cop out of an answer then in this case, but I, I think I just have to say, I don't know. Uh, we've seen all of the different theories presented in in a very, I don't know, convincing light uh, in such a way that I I just can't say what I really believe they are to be. I just know that they're this weird phenomena uh, that many people have uh, reported encountering. So I, I'm, I'm sorry if that's kind of not a great answer, but I, I just, I don't know. And the thing for me is I, I, I've gotten to speak to Brian Bethel, who is the gentleman who kind of began with this and started with this. 
And um, I believe his story. I, I believe that he experienced these weird black-eyed kids asking him to, to give them a ride when he was writing out a check. This was in the 90s before we did everything with smartphones. He was dropping off a check, uh, and it was near a theater. It was a late time of night, and they were asking for a ride home to get money, I believe, so they could watch the movie, which was almost over, which was one of those things that didn't really make sense. Why would you want a ride to get admission for a movie that's going to be finished by the time we get back? And they have these solid black eyes. And I talked to him at length about the story. We aired it on Campfire, and I believe him. And the thing is, is that what do you do with that? I mean, I don't know. And the funny thing is, to Cassandra's point, you know, I've been doing these shows 16 years. I've been interested in the paranormal since I was a little tyke, an elementary school kid watching In Search of in the 70s. And on that show, it almost frustrated me at the end when they said something like, well, this explanation may only be one to the phenomena that we investigate or something like that. And it used to make me so angry. But it's kind of the truth. I think if you're, you know, if you think you have all the answers in this field, boy, congratulations. Because I've been, you know, for 16 years, I've been hitting it pretty hard with different theories and different people. And I've got more questions than I did when I started. I'm more convinced than ever that something's going on. But what that particular thing is, I don't know. So, so I, I respect Cassandra's answer. Um, again, the gin is one possible answer and one that I would say would fit. Is that the answer? I don't know. Well, it's just so difficult, I think, with black-eyed kids specifically, because, you know, you hear other accounts, it's kind of easier to kind of push this more towards extraterrestrials, push this more towards what might be a ghost um, or a spirit or something. And with the black-eyed kids, it's just something so bizarre. It's such an odd experience because it it looks almost like a child, but, you know, not quite. So I I think it's because it's so hard to categorize um, that, you know, putting categories on it makes it so difficult. That's interesting. Yeah, I think they're aliens, but I mean, honestly, who knows? There's, there's so odd, it just kind of reminds me of the men in black phenomena, which is yeah. usually associated with UFO uh, sightings and activity, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, yeah, that's a good point. Right. Um, many of the things that they talk about with the, the black eyed kids, very similar don't quite get it right there's some details that are odd um yeah it's a it's a strange strange phenomenon yeah the I, thing the thing for me is is i think reality i've come up with a an analogy that i use now and i hope it's original because you never know if you've heard something somewhere else and you've kind of cooked it around your brain say oh i've got a great idea cryptoamnesia uh, that's the actual term for that when you accidentally plagiarize something that already exists. It's cryptomnesia. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank okay, you. See, awesome. there you Sandra go. just educated me. I did not know that. That's but um, I did not know that. But the, the, the point being that I view reality like pretend you're in an old stately English manor and they have a beautiful library room, a very large library room, and the door is closed. And you can peep through the keyhole that has like a skeleton key that you'd put in. And you can see like some books on a shelf and you can tell what kind of room it is. We as humans 
are that person looking through the keyhole. But the truth is so much larger because we don't know how many books they are. We don't know the titles of the books. And we don't know everything written on each of those books that are contained probably thousands of volumes in that library. I think that's the way we are. My hope, the one hope I have, you know, obviously what we do as a business, we want to be successful. I love that our audience appreciates it. But another goal I have, I don't even think I've mentioned this to Cassandra before, is that whether somebody 200 years from now, they listen to Unpleasant Dreams or Jim Harold's Campfire or the, the Paranormal Podcast, they might say, oh, those people had it so wrong. But they were right about one thing, that there was so much going on beyond traditional science and beyond what we understand. So that's kind of like I, I would hope that, you know, once I'm long since uh, on the other side, you know, two, three hundred years from now, somebody gets a dusty old hard drive and says, well, I wonder what's on this. And they listen to a show and it's like, boy, this guy had it wrong, but he was right. There was something going on. That's that's kind of a hope I have. You know, I like that analogy that you're looking through this dusty keyhole. You've got like this much that you can see of what's right. going on. And you think you've got the whole picture and it's not, not at all. There is so much more that we don't know than what we do know. Right. It, um, you guys will never be out of business. You know what I mean? No, it never, <laughs> you know, and I was kind of worried about that. And people say, well, do you get bored? I'm like, no, I don't get bored because I've always been interested in this stuff. And I know Cassandra's interested in it as well. And that's the thing. It's like, ooh, that's neat. Ooh, that's neat. And I always wanted to, you know, uh, I should have been doing a form of this show, Unpleasant Dreams, 10 years ago. Yeah. But I, it just never seemed like the right time. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And just, uh, you know, going through this process, it's like, this is a great show because I was loved in search of. And I loved, you know, more than anything, I love just the information you got. And um, to do a show like that where you're giving out solid information on cases or possible explanations or theories, it just really appeals to me. So I'm really excited to be doing this show. And it's a super double bonus when you're doing it with your very talented daughter. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a family business and there's nothing like that. You get to pass the torch. You get to share what you love with the people you love. That's exciting. It is. That's what she's Cassandra. What did you think when your dad approached you with this? Oh, I was super excited. It's, it's a fantastic opportunity. And really, I'm, I'm so grateful to have the chance to work on it because as he's been saying, you know, there's so much unexplained out there and there's so many fascinating things to bring uh, to, to listeners' ears in kind of this condensed, almost spooky little format. Uh, so I, I'm really, really pleased to have the opportunity to work on it. Yeah, I think as you go along, you're going to put much more of yourself into this. What do you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I've loved seeing the the fan interaction and the response thus far. Uh, and hopefully, you know, people continue to really uh, enjoy what we've been building together. Yeah, we're going mm -hmm. to start a Facebook group and we're going to ramp up the interaction. We want to kind of get our sea legs under us for the show itself. Uh, but now I think there's enough interest. We can start that Facebook group and doing some social media 
uh, interaction and some some outreach. When I, I have some ideas for some things that we might be able to do interactively, uh, maybe some you know, online interactive stuff where I have Maddie on the line and have Cassandra and myself on the line and interact once in a while with the fans of the show and talk about the different things. I think that might be something that might be coming down the road as well. I don't know if I told Cassandra that, but uh, <laughs> now you know. There we go. And I think also in, in Halloween, we usually, you usually do a live stream. Oh, yes. Um, so I'll, I'll be joining this year for that. Yeah, the virtual Halloween party we do every year. We don't have the details up, but we'll be doing that probably uh, the Saturday of that weekend. And that is so much fun. I've per- I've watched in the past. It's so much fun. And of course, this is going to come out during the spooky season. So hopefully you'll have more listeners that are hearing about this new podcast and how much fun it is. I mean, it's like having a spooky bedtime story read yes. to you. It's yeah, beautiful. It Cassandra, I, I want to ask you something. How do you, because Cassandra, what she does, she come. I don't lord over her or anything. She comes in and she records and she basically says it's done. I don't direct her. I don't, she then, so any dramatic reading or things that you're getting, that's all her. That's nobody giving her direction or anything. How do you determine how you read a piece of text. Uh, that's something we've not even talked about here. And I'm sorry, Christy, to take over and play interviewer, but I'm Me. curious, how do, you, how do you interpret a text and how do you, you know, because when you do a play, you have a director and said, read it this way, read it that way, give it this, give it that. How do you direct yourself to read a piece of this text? Yeah, I think in terms of process, you know, I kind of approach it the way that I would any monologue that I were doing independently for something, say, like an audition. Uh, I basically, I sit through and I read the script and I kind of think of, you know, what tone best suits it, uh, which things need most emphasis. I I have my own little shorthand of of things so that I can make sure that I'm, you know, hitting the right things um, in terms of note-taking all that. And then I basically just go ahead and record and sometimes you know I'm doing multiple takes of different lines until I get it just right um but you know I, otherwise it's very much just the way that I would approach approach a monologue um sorry but it's basically um more of you know an independent process rather than working with a director but you know I've done I've done enough of that in my time as well so uh it's really cool and the funny thing is people would expect, well, you know, since uh, she's your daughter, Jim is probably super easy and blah. I treat her like any other employee. I try to be nice, but I have my, you know, what I want. And uh, she's never failed me in terms of, you know, wanting quality, whether it's in Cassandra is starting to help out with editing as well. Uh, Natalie, uh, ironically, the younger of my two uh, children, kind of took the lead on that's been doing it for a couple of years. And she's been teaching Cassandra over the summer. And Cassandra can tell you um, if something's wrong in an edit, I'll say you got to fix that. Or what I like is now they've gotten to the point uh, where, Dad, you made a mistake. You need to go back and fix it. 
And, you know, I appreciate that level of professionalism because, yeah, I love them. They're my kids. But we've got a job to do to put out a good show for people, and we've got to do it in a professional manner. So it's uh, it's really interesting, and I think it, it works great. Uh, I don't know how Cassandra feels, but I, I think it works fantastically. And it's kind of it's, – it's, it's odd switching those roles, but I think we all do it pretty well. Oh, definitely. And no, I think the reason that it works so well is that we all have the same goal in mind is our goal is to create really quality content. So it doesn't matter where along the line a mistake was made so long as that we're fixing it and, you know, making it better in order to produce the best possible content we can for the listeners. Yeah. Absolutely. And it is good quality content. All of your stuff is, Jim. And so where can people find this podcast, this new podcast? Well, the website is unpleasantdreams.net, which will actually just uh, uh, redirect you to the website, uh, jimherald.com, the section that is there. That's where they can find all the episodes. Of course, they can find uh, Unpleasant Dreams on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, pretty much any place podcasts are. We're trying to get on a couple more, but that covers about 90% of the of the, the vistas out there. So uh, just look up Unpleasant Dreams uh, and, you know, you might find a song or something come up, but I think we're the only Unpleasant Dreams. Unpleasant Dreams with Cassandra Harold. And uh, as Cassandra says, uh, we hope you have uh, unpleasant dreams, the podcast that is, and uh, you have sweet dreams otherwise, but we, we hope you check it out. And you've got a lot of stuff out there on the jimheraldmedia.com website, including books. Yes. Lots of yes. books. Yeah, we have uh, five campfire books and a coloring book. And uh, to get to that, you just go to jimherald.com and uh, click on books in the menu and you'll get all that. And uh, it's we have a newly we've been doing a lot the last couple of months. We have a newly redesigned website at jimherald.com. So now it's uh, easy to, to get in touch and get in touch with all the podcasts, everything we do. We have a free newsletter that we relaunched recently. So we're really stepping up our game for Halloween 2021. Right. Absolutely. So we'll put that website, jimherald.com, in the show notes. Thank you both so much for joining me. It's been so much fun getting to talk. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Christy. Always great to be on the show. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. 
Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.